Good morning, good afternoon. How you doing out there today? This is David Robert for the Marketplace of Ideas podcast. Hope you're having a great day out there. Today, it is Saturday, April, uh, what the heck day is it? I think it's the 7th today? Oh my gosh, this month is just flying by. Hopefully everyone is staying safe, staying well. Uh, it is the, holy crap, it's the 9th today. Dang, this month is just flying by. Uh, hopefully everyone's doing well. I uh, just want you all to know before we get started that you can find the Marketplace of Ideas podcast wherever you get your podcast, regardless of if you're a Google person, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, you name it, we are there. I'm here with my co-host, Phoenix the Cat. We're doing something a little different today. I'm playing the old old school Nintendo while we're doing this episode, so we're... Uh, we're knocking out two birds with one stone kind of thing. No, I'm just kidding. It's it's a uh, just relaxing, talking about talking about stuff that um, has been rattling around in my brain today. And it um, it started with me going to the grocery store the other day. So I was at the grocery store, masked up, you know, trying to uh, be safe and all that. But in my area of town, where I'm living right now, everybody's kind of said, "Yeah, screw all that. We're done." You know, after two years of sheltering in place and and mandates and all this sort of stuff, people have just re- recited to the fact we just have to live with this. And with vaccine rates and um, people, I believe we're at, at, for people who are double vaccinated right now, it's roughly above 80%. For people who have three shots, I think it's at 30 And then there's a large portion of our, of our population here in Alberta that have had vac- the coronavirus, COVID-19, and recovered, so they've got, I guess, some, you know, some, uh, some immunity from it based on just the fact that they've had it and they've recovered. So, yeah, you know, looking at that, it's very interesting to see how, how much the, um, what's the word I'm looking for, how much what is still going to be around long after this is done. So while I was at the grocery store, I was thinking to myself, man, like, look at everybody. There's, you know, some people are masked, some people aren't. There's a uh, lady who was helping me at the till. She was, um, she was behind a, you know, sort of a plexiglass sort of thing. And the, the mood was a little bit more relaxed. You know, the, the feeling was, okay, just run into the grocery store, get what you can and get the hell out. It was more like, oh, okay, we're, you know, people, people seemed a little bit more at ease, you know, people seemed a little bit more, um, sort of like more able to just come in, get what you need, lounge around a little bit and, and kind of get out. And me, I, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit more relaxed. I'm vaccinated and everything else, but it started, it got me thinking like, you know, we've been in this for the last two years now. We've been fighting this thing. We've been battling it. And you start to wonder, man, like, when will we get to a point where we're normal again, but also, you know, like how, how much, what's going to stick around, you know, like what's going to be the thing that stays. So that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at three different things that I think are going to still be here long after COVID is gone and some of the things we need to work on. And as my co-host is stretching, she's heading up later, Phoenix, take care out there. So the first thing I think that's going to be sticking around once COVID is over and we're able to completely, totally get back to uh, uh, the old way of life, excuse me, I think one thing that's going to happen 
is we're going to still see sort of like this, um, this attention to detail when it comes to cleaning. Now I know in the beginning of this thing, a lot of, a lot of us couldn't find any cleaning supplies. We couldn't get any, couldn't get any Lysol. We couldn't get stuff like that. Uh, hand sanitizer and everything else was, was, you know, was done. But what I, what I think is going to happen is people saw the benefit of maintaining a clean environment. They saw what happened when people don't wash their hands. You know, we don't have enough soap and Lysol and hand sanitizer and disinfectant to keep surfaces clean. I think what we're going to see is um, if you are going into a hotel, if you're traveling on an airline, if you're traveling by train, whatever the case might be, if you aren't adhering to very strict guidelines when it comes to when it comes to cleanliness, you're going to get called on it. I don't think we can go back to this ideal of living like slobs again. You know, I mean, I, I, I know that my mom would always say cleanliness is next to godliness. And the last thing anybody ever wants to do is go into a restaurant and you go into the bathroom and you're like, dear Lord, I don't even want to step on the floor. You know, it's just, it's just nasty, you know? So I, I think that that attention to detail is going to stick around. I definitely feel that particularly on flying on airplanes, trains, um, car rentals, things of that nature. We definitely saw an increase of attention to, you know, just um, cleanliness and levels of of um, following protocol above and beyond because people were feeling like, hey, you know what? This is something that I don't know if I can catch it. It's airborne. If we don't have proper filtration systems in our airplanes, in our hospitals, in our schools, if we're not, you know, if people aren't washing their hands after they eat, if they're not, you know, making sure the surfaces are clean and everything else, it's just, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't believe we can go back to that. Um, the other thing I think that's going to stick around are the plastic barriers for um, tellers and things of that nature. So I know when I was working at the gym. Um, when we were helping people out, we had this sort of plastic barrier. I was wearing a mask. People who came in were wearing a mask anytime they need to come to the front desk. And it gave you that real sense of, I guess you could say, just an extra layer of security. And the one reason I, I know it worked is because there was a guy, a gentleman who actually did have COVID. And this was right, I think this was before the vaccines were available. And so... I was helping him, the manager, um, through contact tracing, it was found out that this person was um, COVID positive and they had the virus and they had been in the, in the location uh, that I was at during the time I was there um, for the course of, uh, I think it was like 5.30, my shift started. And so I was there and I actually helped him. But I, you know, had been following all the protocols. I was wearing a mask. He was wearing a mask. We had that barrier between us. And when I got the call from the district manager of all the, the gyms at the location I worked at, they basically said, you know what, there's no reason to even go and get tested because my exposure to him was all of a minute. And because I was, you know, I was doing what, what I was doing to make sure I was safe. So was he, we were okay. And so it showed that the protocols worked. And I started thinking, you know, right after everything went down with, with COVID, I didn't have the flu. Like, I, normally I would catch the flu once a, once a year. You know, you'd get that seasonal flu that would kind of knock you down and you'd be okay. But I did not have the flu um, for from about 2019 
in the fall until probably this winter. Like this winter in particular, well, the winter pass of 2021, it just knocked me out of my ass. Um, it went through our whole household. It got um, my kids got it first, and the wife, and then it felt that it, it got me. But it had been a good almost two years of not having a cold and normally working um, as, a, as a trainer or even you know at various other places I've worked at where you where you are dealing with the public, you are susceptible and exposed to people who have uh, the virus. And so if you can have a barrier on your face or a, a you know, sort of like a, a, um, sort of a, a bear, a glass barrier, a plastic barrier. I think that that just makes perfect sense, not just for COVID, but just when flu season hits, you know, just when people who might be immune compromised, going through chemo, going through other forms of, um, other forms of treatment want to stay extremely safe. You know, I also think that masks, masks are going to be something that are not looked upon as just something that people wear in Asia, Southeast Asia, China, Japan, and um, Middle Eastern countries where people, where it's a lot more prevalent to have airborne illnesses and airborne diseases where a lot of, a lot of these countries, particularly um, the industrial areas of say India and China and so forth and so on have a really bad smog problem. And so you'll see people who are, you know, um, walking around with, with masks like it's nothing in, in parts of Asia. And I think after the last two years, we've kind of seen, okay, it's not that weird. And so during flu season, I don't see it as a big issue to have people wearing, like wearing a mask or wearing, wearing, um, you know, um, that kind of thing to keep themselves safe. Uh, particularly elderly people or people who are, you know, going through um, issues with their health already when it comes to just even not, not like the flu or anything, but just, just wanting to stay, stay safe. So I think, I think we're definitely going to see that stick around. I, I think we're going to also see um, an attitude shift towards um, people who stay at home. So the idea was always that if you worked at a restaurant or if you worked at a job, you know, you, you'd show up sick, you know, and that was your way of showing how, how committed you were, you know, how committed you were to the job, to the task, you'd show up ill and it wasn't a big thing, you know, and, and people would just, you know, you'd suck it up. You know, if you had a bit of a headache, if you had a bit of a cough, whatever. But then as COVID took over, there was this real feeling of, no, if you even get a sniffle, you get your ass home. You know, like it wasn't, it wasn't this attitude of, of tough it out, you know, just, you know, whatever. It's like, no, we don't want you here. We don't want you around us getting sick because if our whole staff gets sick and then what also was taking place is people had to take two weeks off. And so, you know, our government basically was like, well, if everyone's taking two weeks off, there's not going to be anybody to work. And this, this, I mean, COVID kind of exposed our, our capitalist system at its worst, right? It showed us that we do need people to work. Like people are the most important commodity when it comes to our, our, our economy. You know, we could say it's oil, we could say it's gas, we could say it's all this stuff, but it is really our people. And if people are sick, if people are, you know, worn out, tired, frustrated, all that, stressed out, things that lead to compromising your immune system, then there's not going to be a lot of a lot of profit to be made if everybody is sick. Now you can automate 
you know, as much stuff as you like, but at the end of the day, you still need people, manpower to be there. And I, I believe that's what, that, that became glaringly obvious um, throughout this whole, um, this whole process that's still going on. I mean, COVID isn't over by any stretch of the imagination and we have to, we have to acknowledge that. But so that, that's, that's something I think that will stick around just this feeling of making sure that people are well and healthy enough to maintain their jobs, you know, to do what they need to do, um, while they are, while they are in an employed, you know? And I, I think from an employee standpoint, you're going to see people saying, I'm going to look after myself. So if I am sick, I'm not going to be afraid to, to go home. You know, I'm not going to be afraid to take a sick day. I'm not going to be afraid to take a mental health day, you know, or a day where I feel, okay, I need this time just to be okay. And it's not, and the idea that you could treat people, you know, like, like, um, like a robot, I think, and I hope is done. You know, I, I know that I, I myself, I had to um, definitely put my foot down when it came to um, some of the positions I've had during, during the COVID period where it was like, you know what? No, I, I, I don't care how many, how short staffed you are. You know, my health comes first because what we found at the end of the day is with, let's take Air Canada, for example, Air Canada basically said, Hey, we, um, we're going to put all our staff on furlough because nobody was traveling anywhere. And then what happened is once they got the money from the government, they just, just fired everybody. And then in doing so, they were able to take all those profits and like give them to their executives. And you're thinking, wait a second, like we were like, you did this just to make sure that we, that your company is good and everything else and blah, blah, blah. And then you screwed us over. And so you saw companies shut down, furlough, all that kind of stuff and, and not care. Like just not give a rat's crap about anybody and look after their own bottom line. And I think that this was a real awakening for a lot of people. You saw it with the great resignation in October where people were like just telling people to take their jobs and shove it. Like that you weren't getting that same level of, I want to say commitment, but that same level of fealty to a job, to a position, right? There was a, a great story I remember hearing about Jim Carrey. Uh, Jim Carrey, the comedian, the, you know, actor, just an amazing talent. He, he stated how when he was younger, his dad had a, had a job and um, he, he had a, pa- I'm sorry, he had a passion for arts and he had a passion for the stage and he had a passion for acting, but he gave all that up for a secure job to take care of his family. And at the time, I think he has a brother and a, I think he has, has one brother if I'm not mistaken. And so he and his family at a time you know, were, were homeless for a period of time because his dad actually lost that job that he thought was secure. And it, it, it created this, this great sentiment within Jim Carrey where he said, look, you can leave your job. You can leave your position and you can leave, I'm sorry, you can leave the job that you love, the position that you love, your passion, your desire for something that is secure. It could be accounting. It could be any sort of job that's sort of a, you know, I don't say run of the mill, but a job that is a little bit more secure than the arts or theater or film or movies, excuse me. And he said, but then he, his dad lost that secure job. 
So the job that was supposed to be there for him, it wasn't. It was gone. And it was like, wait a minute, okay, so if, if I'm gonna give up on my dreams, my goals, on the things that I love, just for a secure job that's not secure anymore, there's no guarantee that it'll be there, you might as, and you're gonna suffer anyways, you're gonna be struggling anyways, you might as well just enjoy your life, right? You might as well just enjoy what you're doing and go for the thing you, you actually want, you know? And so that, that was a great analogy. Now, again, you know, we're all going to have things where we, we need to kind of, you know, take care of our responsibilities. It could be rent. It could be um, you're looking after a ill loved one or a family member or, you know, or whatever the case is or a child or whatever, whatever your responsibility is. But at the end of the day, I feel that what, we're, what we've seen is this attitude that the, the veil had been lifted. You know, the veil had been lifted that for years, like people in, who are independent contractors and who work, have their own businesses have known this for years, that there's been, there's no such thing as job security anymore. There's no such thing as a pension. You're in charge of your own financial destiny in a lot of ways. The government is only going to do so much and even pensions that you get from the government aren't going to give you enough to survive when it comes to inflation, right? So the job is kind of yours. And so this idea that you can be safe with a, you know, with a, with a, with a civil job, with a pension, and so on and so forth, it turned out to be a lie. People saw it for the bullshit that it was. And so I think one of the most important things that are going to be left with, with COVID is that people saw, wait a minute, these companies and corporations, these multinationals, these conglomerates really don't care about us. They were never really with us to begin with. And as long as they were able to make sure they had profits and they were safe, they didn't care. You know, in fact, if they were able to get rid of a lot of us, that meant that their shareholders were able to, it would be a better, better, um, a better deal for them on the stock market. So that meant that they were able to you know, um, buyback, you know, like stock buybacks and things of that nature where they were able to just make money hand over fist. We saw with um, companies like Amazon, Netflix, um, any sort of, I guess you could say, um, data-based industry um, or like streaming services or anything that was online or digital was able to thrive because, you know, the mom and pop type of brick and mortar stores weren't allowed to be open um, events that had a lot of people where you could like just, you know, go there. Well, they couldn't operate anymore. And so what we had was basically people saying, okay, well, that's it. Like you can't, you know, you can't, there was no way you could keep those going. And so those companies and those businesses went under while, you know, other companies were just, were killing it. And, um, it sounds sick to say, but Amazon probably made its most profits off of the pandemic it's disgusting right it's like you look at that and you think oh my gosh like restaurants that you know you you used to frequent for years went out of business and they didn't have any any way to recover you know and i mean how do you recover for a once in a in a century event you know it's like how do you plan for that so i definitely feel that the just the awakening of understanding how 
how much companies and businesses don't really care about you on a on a on an actual level like because it was before it was all just speculative oh well we all you know companies don't really care ha 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 you know but when it actually came down to life and death and making profits these companies chose profits they didn't choose like um regular everyday people they chose to cover their own ass and and that's something that definitely plays into the great resignation where people were like hey you know what you when when you were when you were high and mighty and you were up you didn't you like you know that's when you cared about us but when we really needed you you know you you laid us off and you basically said you know good luck good luck you know and so i i think that's one of the things that'll hopefully remain i i hope you know um i know people tend to have short short-term memories when it comes to things of this of that nature but um i'm hoping that that's something that sticks around. Um, what else do I think might might stick around after the pandemic? I think one of the things that is very sad, and I think that's this is something that is just going to be a byproduct of the pandemic, is definitely the um, the the attitude within families when it comes to how we treated the pandemic. And so the mistrust of government, I think is something that has sort of been galvanized now because we saw such push and pull over whether or not this thing was real, whether or not how, like how municipalities and governments and, you know, cities and whatever should handle this, um, this issue. And so we saw in the beginning, people were saying, oh, you know, we shouldn't mask, you know, unless you know, it's the medical community. And then we saw people saying, no, we sh- you should mask because you want to protect yourself. We saw people saying that, um, you know, a vaccine wouldn't be available for 10 years. And then within the first, you know, within the, within a two year, less than a two year period, we saw a vaccine, right? Um, we saw people saying that the vaccine would be harmless. And unfortunately we saw people pass away in due part to um, AstraZeneca when it first came out. And so there was a lot of misinformation, a lot of, just a lot of weird, weird stuff being said um, by by people who, you know, probably may have meant well, but some people that were kind of charlatans, you know, they were kind of like trying to make a buck, you know, trying to live off of have people live off of fear and live off of this idea that, you know, this is some sort of conspiracy and this is some sort of plot. And so definitely a mis mistrust of government for sure, a mistrust of science and a mistrust of, of, um, common sense. You know, I felt that there's a lot of, um, also you know, just a lot of relationships got tested, I feel, um, within this, this whole thing. You know, we had, I know various members of uh, my friend, friends groups who had family members who, you know, refused to, to even acknowledge that this thing was real, to state that, no, this is just a hoax, that this is something that was cooked up by Democrats and liberals to, you know, spend more money and to, you know, further their base and everything else. I read that, 
Um, I'd heard information that this was, um, you know, the beginning of the end and so on and so forth. And so I think one of the things that's going to remain definitely is this distrust of, of, of medicine and of science because a lot of people just didn't know. A lot of people just weren't aware of what was happening, you know, and I feel that that's, that's something that I feel is very, very unfortunate, you know, because this was a time period where people were able to come together. We were able to, as a, I mean, in the beginning, if you remember, people were, were sharing the fact that we were making, sharing banana bread recipes and people were banding together and we were cheering the nurses and the doctors. I mean, there's literally footage of people at five o'clock when the shift changes, they would clap, you know, and, and, uh, and send them food and gifts and well wishes. And that shit ended quick because what we saw afterwards were people literally at hospitals, you know, wanting to hang doctor, um, you know, Dr. Fauci and our, and our own, um, chief medical officers here in Canada. We saw people take to the streets, demanding that they open stores, dropping mandates. We even had a freedom quote unquote convoy the so-called freedom convoy here in, in Canada and that spread to the rest of the world that basically showed and tarnished our flag to the point where now when you see the Canadian flag flying, you know, you, you see intolerance, you see hatred and ignorance and stupidity. There was no, there was none of that beforehand, right? None of that. But people were, were so happy just to be coming together and we had a bit of a break and people were saying how cool it was to, you know, finally kind of you know, stars were saying that, man, they hadn't been home touring in like decades. And now they were able to spend more time with their families. And then, but then what we realized, what we saw is that there, you know, people, because people thought that we were going to have this baby boom because, Hey, nothing, nothing to do when you're home, you know, get it on. Right. And it was like, yeah, no, because the stress of the pandemic, um, the, the long haul of COVID the, the anxiety, worrying about how are you going to pay your bills, how are you going to maintain your, your lifestyle if, if one of you or both of you ends up sick, was just too much to bear for a lot of couples. And a lot of people, you know, ended up splitting. There was a lot of divorce. There was a lot of, there was a lot of assumptions that all that time together would bring couples, they, they'd be stronger. And what we saw, unfortunately, was almost the opposite, you know, and, and not everybody ended up, you know, wanting to kill each other, but there was an increased amount of stress, an increased amount of, excuse me, worry, fear, and things that a lot of people thought we wouldn't, we wouldn't have to deal with because, hey, you know, we're in this together. We're fighting this, excuse me, this scourge together. This affects everybody. Um, I definitely definitely saw the inequality of richer countries getting um, what is known as the bulk share of the vaccines. And so you had countries that, you know, could ill afford to buy, you know, it, all the, the vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna. I believe Canada, if I'm not mistaken, as a country bought up enough of the vaccine to actually vaccinate every man, woman and child three times over. You know, um, Israel at one point, um, I think had, had vaccinated their whole population, um, 
within like a couple of months of receiving the vaccine. But then you had poorer countries that, you know, could, couldn't afford um, the price tag that Pfizer and Moderna were, were charging. And so I definitely see a, um, a real, like countries don't forget this kind of stuff, right? And we definitely saw how the richer developed countries were able to take advantage of what was going on. Another thing too that, that kind of showed itself within this pandemic was this idea that we had certain countries and certain certain inequities when it came to who actually was really fighting this thing. So you had nurses and doctors who were on the front lines, ambulances, EMTs, so on and so forth. And, and you had teachers um, and, and people who kind of had to deal with the general public, like dentists and, and, you know, people who you can't get your back cracked over, you know, online, right? You can't, you can't um, get, a, get a root canal, you know, on Zoom. And so there were people that were definitely on the, you know, facing it right there, you know, um, right before, even before there were masks and things of that nature. And those people, you know, um, God bless them. They, um, they, they were brave. Bravery doesn't even begin to, to kind of comprehend it. But we had this, it was almost feeling of, of seeing of who, who actually, how could I put this, was able to weather this storm from a safe distance, you know, the people who could work remotely. So if you were a part of the, how do I say this? If you were part of the, the economy that um, was able to have, you know, do your work either through, you had, you were a project manager or if you, if you had uh, internet access, if you had reliable internet access, then that meant that you could work from home and, and be kind of sequestered, order your food, online and not have to worry about, not have to worry about, you know, like having to talk to anybody, having to see anybody, you know, that's something that, so I think the inequality of technology and finance kind of showed its, I don't want to say ugly head, but it reared its, its head that, that ability that people had to not have to be around people was huge. And certain industries are more adept to that than others. And so people were able to say, no, I don't, I'm not going into work. I'm not going to jeopardize my health because I don't have to, you know? Um, so that was a big one. You saw a big, I think one of the things that, um, other things that are left over is definitely that huge, huge, um, example of wealth inequality and how in a lot of cases, if you had money, you survived. And if you didn't, you, you died, you know, um, to see people who had no choice but to, you know, go to the front desk as a teller or who um, didn't have any choice when it came to, you know, what time they worked or where they worked or what they did. It was, you know, you were a fry cook or you were whatever. And then, and then to, to witness that and to see people um, literally get sick and some, you know, pass away because they just could not and weren't able to you know, um, work from a place of safety. That, that was a big thing. And then also, I, I think we also saw how companies kind of companies and countries politicized this whole thing so that it wasn't about people's safety anymore. It was about the fact that, Hey, we, we don't care if you're sick, get out there and work. You know, we don't care if you're afraid of catching this virus and that you're the sole bread owner or breadwinner in your house. 
get out there and make that money. And, and so the ugliness and the, the raw selfish greed of our, of our economy was laid bare. And I think that's something that is going to be very difficult to forget. And I, I hope we don't forget it. You know, I hope that's one. I hope the level of dissent and, you know, just disrespect to, for, for um, companies and corporations that treated people like they were chattel is something that, um, yeah, I think that definitely is something that we're going to see sort of remain manifest. And, and again, look, a lot of people, we had the 2008, you know, financial crisis and people lost, lost their homes, lost their shirts. And did we really learn anything? I don't know. I don't know. But I feel that this was such a large event. It's going to be very, very difficult to pretend as if it's going to be very hard to pretend as if this didn't happen, you know? Um, just the other day I was talking to a friend and I was thinking, my gosh, did that actually happen? Like, it's just, everybody seems to just want to go right back. But when I drive throughout my town, I see, you know, for lease sign here, for lease sign there, this company busted up. Um... You know, it's, um, yeah, it's just, it's just this feeling of, I don't want to say regret, but I I definitely want to say there's this feeling of, we can't forget how, how much inactivity and the ability to not recognize this as a real thing really hurt and ended people's lives. And there's, there's, you know, there's so many people that did not have to die because of this, you know? There were so many people that ended up passing away needlessly for our lack of our lack of empathy, our lack of caring. I think also for just for our, our lack of of being more of global a globally minded society. You know, it's very easy to kind of stay in our own little bubbles and not really associate with the rest of the world and, and all that kind of stuff. And particularly in the West, because, you know, if you're not watching Al Jazeera news and all that kind of stuff, it can be very hard, it can be very hard to, um, yeah, um, it can be very hard to look outside and see, like, if you've never witnessed, um, uh, how can I put this? If you've never witnessed a a viral outbreak in another part of the world and you've never witnessed what it's like when other continents or other countries that don't have the same level of sanitation, water filtration, um, medical expertise, access to, you know, free medicine, free vaccinations. It's very hard to fathom how this disease was able to rip through countries like India and Brazil and areas in the world that are a lot poorer. Because if, if you look at it, I think one of the things I hope that that kind of comes out of this, ultimately outside of our, you know, just all the things I mentioned was this feeling of there is a level of inequality within our, our global 
capitalist system that favors countries that have more money, that are more affluent, and kind of leaves the other countries in the in the dust. And as we enter into, you know, climate change, and as that makes itself even more prevalent within our society, we're going to see more and more countries that can ill afford that can ill afford to suffer through a lot of these um, track, like you know. Um, sort of emergencies and global pandemics, they're going to be the ones that suffer the most, you know, because at the end of the day, if you can, you know, print, if you are the lender of last resort, if your Federal Reserve is like America, um, the default currency in the world, and people pay their bills with your currency, then the feeling you're going to have is, oh, okay, we can, we can make it through this while other countries can't. You know, we have the ability to, dare I say, buy our way out of this where other countries have to suffer. And that's going to be something that we have to really look at and as a, as a whole discuss and say, look, we can't have one country or seven countries hoarding all the wealth globally. There has to be sort of like shared values. We can't just allow some countries to have all the vaccines where, you know, some were like, yeah, we don't, we don't really have, you know, we don't really have that. I mean, I'd heard stories of people in places like like India that were like, yeah, we like doctors and nurses could not could not even get this life-saving stuff. And they're trying to treat people. And they themselves can't even even get the the vaccine. Like how how insane is that? You know, but that that's what happens when you have a global a global system that's flawed, you know? So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that with everything that's happened, we can kind of move towards a more equitable way of dealing with uh, these sort of things. You know, and as, as I said before, as climate change makes itself even more um, known within the, next, within the next couple of years, we're going to have to, you know, come to the conclusion that if we're all suffering, if one of us is suffering, we're all suffering. And what took place in Wuhan, China... In the fall of two thousand, of you know, twenty nineteen, literally affected the whole world. Like it caused our entire global economy to reverberate and just stop. And very few things outside of a war, like outside of a world war, have have done that. You know, outside of massive, um, sort of like you know, um, weather systems have allowed that to happen. And so we have to take notice and realize that, um, you know, I'm going to quote Joe Rogan here, that what, what, like he said, what if this was like the dress rehearsal for the apocalypse? You know, what if this was a test to see if we're actually up to the challenge of changing our way of thinking, changing the way we think about, you know, finance and about how we all work together versus just how we all kind of protect our own protect our own asses basically you know so yeah i'm hoping i'm hoping that some of these things uh, will stick around that we're not going to just forget them and move on as we you know as society tends to do um you know it's it's something to be said when when everybody kind of comes together and we're able to work together i mean it's a beautiful thing but we also saw what happens when when people get impatient and stuff gets ugly, 
you know, and um, and people start to think only of themselves, you know, and I mean, we saw some, just some horrible examples of the rich, you know, taking, taking advantage of what was going on and like not, and not benefiting mankind with their, with their resources and just, you know, it was every man for themselves. And you kind of could tell, and I think before I end, I, I, I kind of want to, it's, it's this feeling that did we, did we really learn anything? You know, yes, we're back to most places are back to, you know, um, regular scheduled programming and we're able to do the things that we, we used to do, but are we, are we, are we at a place where we really learned anything? Did we really actually, you know, with all the divisiveness and division over vaccines and over, you know, mandates and over, you know, my body, my choice when it comes to mandates and things of that nature, did we really, did we come away smarter or did we just kind of suffer through it and now we're just returning back to the status quo? Because if you remember all of the chants that were going on with the, um, with the Freedom Convoy, they wanted to return back to normal. They wanted a, a return back to the life they used to have. And you got to ask yourself, like, was that life any better? Like, was it, did you really enjoy it? Like, you know, like it, I, I don't know. I, I personally don't think that, um, a lot of people really think about that when they're, when they're, when they're, you know, making these chants and stuff like that. I think that there's a lot of us that, you know, we just bought into this narrative and, you know, it was, um, something that people were able just to, just to shout and did we really, I don't know. Did we really, did we really grow and come away with a better love and understanding for mankind? And you know what? It's only time will tell. So hopefully everybody out there who is going through this is, is, um, you know, is safe, is healthy. I hope that you and your families are doing well. And like I said before, look for more episodes we've got going on for the Marketplace of Ideas podcast. Uh, we've got a lot of good stuff in store in the coming months. So just keep a, keep, a, keep, a, keep a peeled eye on the horizon, you know. But until next time, I want you guys to take care and be good to another one, one another out there. <laughs>